coffee snob, I will make sure that I don't sacrifice flavor of coffee. Okay? So, like, I know people that drink decaf Folgers, and they don't happen to be in the room right now, but, like, <laughs> like that's just, like, the double negative of bad, bad coffee. <laughs> I'm sorry if you like Folgers. You can like it. That's okay. Some people like to drink motor oil, I think. Um, anyways, 196 milligrams of caffeine a day. We spend about 2.25 hours on social media a day. Average person. So think about the teenagers over here on the side of the room. <laughs> about 2.25 hours on social media a day, a total of 11 hours a day in front of some form of screen. 11 hours a day of screen time. Whether you're working or not, we've got a culture that says hustle every day and take no days off. No days off if you want to be successful in life. Starbucks doesn't even close for Christmas Day anymore. Uh, the number of stores open 24-7, 365 is growing, and we celebrate it. We celebrate Thanksgiving, and we honor Thanksgiving for all of about four hours, and before we can even rest in the recliner, we are out the door to get the greatest deals on consumer electronics. Um, teen suicide depression and anxiety are on the rise like we've never seen in culture before. We're in a nation that's on the verge of an anxiety epidemic, an anxiety epidemic with over 51% of people saying that they suffer from anxiety and of some, some form of anxiety disorder. Our culture is running faster than we ever have in life. And I'm afraid that it's really not going well. <coughs> Do you agree with that statement? Yeah. It's not going well. I've titled my message, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, because it's good to, to go back and reflect, um, hope for a weary soul. Write that down, hope for a weary soul. And we're going to venture out into a topic today, which might be a little bit controversial. And I might rub you the wrong way. I'm sorry. I said uh, in our morning meeting, I might step on some toes today, but my plan is by the end of it, I'm going to brush the toes off after we step on them, okay? Um, and in the short three hours that we're going to spend together uh, this morning, why are you guys laughing? Like, who preaches less than three hours? You came to church. Let's go. It's the Sabbath, guys. What else are we going to do today? Um, my hope is that at the end of our time together that, that you will walk away with hope for a soul that's weary, that you would understand and see the beauty, the beauty of the fourth commandment of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for the time that we get to spend together in your word, Lord God. I pray that you would speak to each of us individually, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that, that you would show up to our weary souls, Lord God. Lord, that you would bring healing this morning for us, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, so like I said, we're going to be in the book of Exodus chapter 16. You remembered. Good job. All right, Exodus chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 2. It says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said, Would that we had died in the by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, you have brought us out of the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. These guys, man, I just wonder, like, do, do they not remember what literally just happened, like, I don't know, weeks ago, where they, like, crossed the Red Sea, and Jesus did all these miracles, and they're like, we're going to die. We should just die. We should have died. Why didn't we just die? Maybe the hailstones could have killed us. We had it good in, in Egypt. Nope. All right. In verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. We're going to jump down to verse 17. And the people of Israel did so. 
They gathered some more, some less, but when they had measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it till morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. I think rightfully so, because one, they didn't listen, but think about the consequence. We have like millions of people here, okay? So like 600,000 families, rough number, okay? And and I'm not quite sure out of the, the 600,000 decided that they weren't going to trust God, but based on their, the, the way that they've been talking, probably a good portion, okay? So a lot of them now wake up in the morning to, to moldy bread that has bread worms, and it stinks. So it's not like it just probably stinks in your house or in your neighbor's house, but like it's got to smell real bad. Uh, I was talking about this in youth group a few weeks ago. We used to live in Centralia, and I'm sorry for those of you that, that live in Centralia and have to deal with this. We live somewhat near, relative to the train tracks, and nowadays in uh, our country, rather than like just straight landfills like we used to have up in Lacey, we ship all of our trash out on trains. And so when it's 95 degrees outside and that train rolls through, if you're near train tracks, I would imagine that this smell within the congregation of Israel might be similar. When it bred worms and it stank, because it, it described it as stinking within their house, which at this point, really their house is, is, they've set up like temporary camp, right? So the whole camp smells and has worms and stinks. I see why Moses is a bit angry, probably other than just they didn't listen to him. He's like, because you failed to listen, now I, am, I have to deal with the consequences of your actions. Thanks, guys. <laughs> morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. All that is left over lay aside to be kept until morning. So they laid it aside till the morning and Moses commanded them and it did not stink. Praise Jesus. And there were no worms, praise Jesus. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the Sabbath day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, six days he gives you bread. Therefore, on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Um, have any of you ever assembled IKEA furniture? <laughs> you guys just laugh right away again. Um, I feel like I'm a really handy guy. Like, I can build stuff well, pretty handy. I've built a few things. I built a sweet chicken coop. It might be falling apart, but that's no big deal. Um, I, can, I can build some stuff. I've replaced engines and transmissions. I'm handy, okay? Um, but for whatever reason, like the simplest of IKEA furniture just doesn't ever work out. I had a friend of mine uh, who was getting some new stuff, and they got some stuff from Ikea or Amazon or something, uh, and I, I helped him assemble these dressers. And I'm like, I don't need to, who needs directions? <laughs> I know how, like, it's, it's a dresser. Like, you know, it's got, you know, four sides, drawers that go in and out. How hard can it be? Like, so I go to town assembling the, the dresser, and somehow when you decide not to read the directions, you always miss one step. And like, you're like, nah, it's probably not a big deal, right? Till you get to the end, you're like, doesn't fit. It doesn't, it doesn't work right. Oh my gosh, 
what's this bolt left or what's this one piece of wood that like, ah, and you're mad uh, and maybe throwing wrenches. I've never done that um, across the room or whatever. For real, I haven't. Don't laugh. Okay. Uh, and, and you're upset and frustrated. And what do you have to do? You have to go all the way back through, take it all the way apart. You guys don't know. I know because you're good and follow directions. Um, but I have to take it all the way apart and, and put in the one piece that is like the crucial piece. You know, it's like, like the motherboard or whatever, and without it, it shall not function. Um, or it's like the heart of the being, you know, without it, it will not function. And so going back through, but for, for whatever reason, when you miss steps and you miss instructions, the final result will always lack in completeness. It will never be as good as it was intended to be if you skip instructions along the way. If you take shortcuts, it will never be as intended as it was or as good as it was intended to be. Our culture has forgotten and blown right past some of the most important instructions that God would give us. And I believe that one of those is the Sabbath rest. There's 10 commandments, right? 10 commandments. The Sabbath is the fourth commandment. We see the first three, no other God, no idols. Don't use my name in vain, right? All those three, the first three, all are applicable to God himself, which would be the most important, right? How we look at God, how we honor God, most important, up at the top, first three. Directly following that, we have the fourth commandment to honor the Sabbath. Let's read it real quick. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, your sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. The first point that I want to give you this morning is that the Sabbath is a commandment. It's a commandment. If we look at the group of the Ten Commandments, which one? I will ask you this, which, question, which of the 10 other ones should I break? None. A.J. Swoboda is a pastor and, and a, a theological professor, and he's one of the pastors within our denomination, and, and he puts it this way, and, and this was to a whole group of pastors at our international conference a few years back, and this is the way he put the Sabbath. He said, look at the list of 10. Name one of them. I'll lose my job. He said, if I commit adultery, I'm going to lose my job. If I steal from my church, I'm going to lose my job. All of them down the line. I will likely lose my job. But as a pastor, if I fail and I break the fourth commandment and I do not rest, more than likely, and this is probably true in any other work field, more than likely, I will get a raise. that when we choose in our culture to break the Sabbath, it seems like gain, that we're getting ahead and that we might be winning. Friends, that is not the truth. I don't believe that this commandment has special privileges that allows it to be broken. The other thing here, the very first part of this commandment, no other one say this. It says, remember the Sabbath. It says, remember it. Likely, because at least for you and I, this one's probably going to be the easiest one to forget. So God calls us, remember the Sabbath. It's a commandment. Will not taking a Sabbath keep you out of heaven? Absolutely not. 
That's not the case. I do believe this, that not taking a Sabbath will result in a lower quality of life, as well as missed opportunity of great blessing from the Lord. I feel this way about the the Sabbath and the tithe. Oops, I went there. I told you I was going to get controversial today. Now we're talking about time and money. Time and money. That's right. This is what happens when pastor leaves. You rest. I I told him on Thursday, I said, hey, uh, you might get some emails, no big deal, um, after I preach. He said, that's fine. Uh, Just make sure they know my email address is S-E-T-H at crossroads.life. I said, perfect. Sounds good. I'm not getting the emails and you're not getting the emails. Okay. Um, All jokes aside, though, the the Sabbath and the tithe, in my opinion, they go kind of hand in hand and they work on the exact same plane. Both function, both of them function in a way of trust. They make no mathematical sense. The Sabbath doesn't make sense mathematically, and the tithe doesn't make sense mathematically. The tithe is this. This is the promise of the tithe. Pay the tithe, give your first fruits, your 10% to the Lord, and he promises. He makes a promise. See that I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing. Do you guys recognize that when you choose to, to tithe, I'll tell you this. I really personally don't care that much about, like, I I don't care about bringing your tithe in. It's not about money to us in no way, but it's about quality of life and trust for you. I pay my tithe out of trust to Jesus, that out of 10%, I will give you 10%, and he says, I will bless 90%. And here's the math. It's backwards. You give away 10%, which is less, right? Seems less. It's not logical, but a blessed 90%, 90% blessed is far greater 10 out of 10 times than 100% that isn't blessed. That is the same way with the Sabbath. Six days blessed, a blessed six days goes way farther, is way more productive than seven days with no blessing. If you don't believe me, ask anyone around you who is an avid tither, who ties regularly. Not just like, I, I pay my tithe because I'm going to go to hell if I don't. But like, who cheerfully says, here God, I trust you. Ask any person like that. And you say, why would you do that? And would you ever consider stopping? No. Why? Because I'm far more blessed when I choose to walk in that blessing. I'm trusting God with my money. I'm trusting God with my time. A blessed six days is far more productive and way less stress than seven days without a blessing. I learned this new uh, word, and my wife laughed at me as she read my message last night. She's like, is that some kind of like new swear word? It's like, no. Sounds kind of weird, though. It's called fubbing. Anybody ever heard the term fubbing? No. Who would? Right? So the term fubbing is a, it's a, I guess it was created in like New Zealand or something. 2012. I'm like, how has it been around for this long? And I, I just heard about it on the radio. Fubbing is this. It sounds like I'm about to swear every time. Uh, it's this. You take uh, the word, f- it comes from, derived from the word phone and snubbing. Okay. Do you know what snubbing is? It's when you intentionally ignore somebody. So how many of you have ever been in a restaurant? Because I know you guys are, are righteous people, uh, and you're, you're really good. You would never do this. Uh, been at a restaurant, and you, and you see people, and they're like both on, your, on their phones. Like out on a date, both on, on the phones, right? Like not paying any attention, or, or a group of, of you know, friends. I'm not going to point fingers. And they're all sitting around, and they're just like on their phones, like, con- like we're going to hang out on, on our phones and not like with each other right in f- front of you, okay? This is, this is fubbing. It's, it's actually a, a bad thing, and the, the worst thing, 
that they say is this. This is, this is where it gets really negative, is that, that parents do this with their teenage kids or with their kids. And I can tell you, I'm, I am guilty of this when I come home and I just, I just want to relax and I'll sit on the couch and scroll through brainless activities on my phone. And, and my, my kids will come into the room and all they want is attention. They just, they just want their daddy. And I can sometimes be too busy just looking at stupid things that are a waste of time or, or researching new hobbies. Like, who does that? Um, and, and that's where my time can easily be spent is maybe not giving the attention to what's important that's right in front of me. And what's interesting about this is they say that the cure, like if, if you want to quit fubbing, uh, is this. Or if, if you want to have healthy relationships that don't involve snubbing people with your phone, they say take one hour a day where your phone is out of reach, out of sight, out of mind. One hour a day. Take one whole day a week where your phone is out of reach, turned off, out of sight, out of mind. A whole day a week. Take one whole week a year where your phone is out of reach, out of mind, out of sight. You're like, oh, how can I go a whole week without it? Listen, how many of you are older than 40? You spent plenty of weeks without it. Actually, I should have said 30, 25 even. I'm 29. I've spent plenty of weeks without a phone. Is it really that necessary? No. No, it's not. Do you know your quality of life when you... I spent January not on social media. I was way happier, way happier than, than a few days back on scrolling through politics on Facebook and, and anger and rage on Facebook. But what's funny about that, the solution, this is a solution that science has deemed. Here's your solution. It's the Sabbath. They, they're literally telling you the solution to your problem is to Sabbath from your phone. One day a week. One week a year. You take a Sabbath from your phone. If culture is saying, hey, we've discovered this great cure, right? No. It's been around and we've just been missing it. And if culture's starting to recognize it, we in the church should have recognized it a long, long time ago. One week, a, one day a week. One day a week. It's holy. Point number two, honoring the Sabbath builds our faith and our trust. The Sabbath is good for you. It's not just good for God. It builds our faith and trust. Are you lacking in faith, trust, or even lacking in seeing God move in big ways in your life? I would plead with you, if that is the case, spend some time with Jesus and say, Lord, what would you call me to and how would you call me to honor the Sabbath? Because when we choose to place our trust in God and say, it's yours, this one day, it's yours. When we make that choice to trust in God, our faith skyrockets in that moment. And when we say every week, I'm going to come back to ground zero and say, God, you're in control. I'm weekly reminding myself, he's got my back. He's in control. He's good and I can trust him. So when hard times come, I go, I have a God I can trust. And for 40 years, a generation was raised in a weekly routine of Sabbath where what they did is they walked out and they had to trust on day six, is it going to go bad like it did yesterday? I'm going to trust God and I'm going to gather this and it's going to be good. It's going to be enough. And what was he preparing them for? He was preparing them to walk into the promised land, to walk into rest, to walk in promise. 
because he was going to ask big moves. You say, I've never seen God show up big in my life. Where's your level of trust? Because he will show up big when we're willing to trust big. He called the Israelites after 40 years. The day Moses dies, next day says, Joshua, get up and go. Where were they going? Not on an easy walk across a slow, nice little stream in the summertime. When they walked out their tents, you guys have probably seen the Nisqually River recently on the news. There's a lot of flooding going on down there. We all remember when the Chehalis River flooded in 2007. Guess what? When they walked out their tents on the day that, that Joshua had to go out and tell the people that we're going to cross the river, it says that the Jordan River was overflowing its banks. Flood stage. Seeing a river in flood stage, I don't think I want to walk out there. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to step even into the river a little bit because it's moving real fast. And I happened to, a while back, I, wa- I wanted to see what does the Jordan River look like in flood stage? Just for fun. So I went on YouTube and looked up what the Jordan River, the Jordan River is not like super wide. Um, and and when it's, it's flooding, it's not like, you know, it just became a lake. It's like raging river coming through a valley. It doesn't look fun to cross over, but the Sabbath brought trust for them to be able to say, my God's in control and I will step out in faith into a raging river and know he's going to show up in this moment. Adam and Eve. Remember those guys? <laughs> they both had jobs, right? They had to work in the garden, do their little stuff, take care of the garden, whatever gardeners do, trim plants. Here's the deal. You and I recognize farming as this. We plant crops. We pray to Jesus that the crops grow, put the seed in the ground. Adam and Eve did not show up in the earth in that sort of function. Everything was planted. The fruit was there. All they had to do was walk out when they were hungry and grab some fruit and eat. Pick up some kale, because it's healthy, and (laughs) chew on it and not enjoy it and say, I guess this is good for me, and eat. They didn't have to work for food because it was provided. God put them into the garden full of provision. But they still Sabbathed. And they still rested. And the interesting thing about this is that when we think of the Sabbath is we think that we work to the Sabbath. We earn our rest. Six days the earth is made. On day six, man's created. Man's first full day in the garden is Sabbath. It's rest. And out of rest, out of Sabbath, they work the whole time knowing that their labors aren't providing for their provision. God's already done that. They're just doing their job, just going to work. But they've been provided for. The Israelites were provided every day with manna. It was good. It wasn't kale, though, so that's cool. So it was like wafers that were made of honey. Sounds way better to eat than kale. (laughs) Point number three. The Sabbath is blessed and it is called holy. It's blessed and called holy. Genesis 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, In the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day all his work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. He calls it holy. He's made a lot of things up to this point. He's been working his tail off for six days, 
makes all the plants, and he says, ah, they're good. Makes man, it's good. Beast, it's good. He gets to the Sabbath, and he says, this is holy. And he blesses it. And I think about this moment where he sits back into creation, and he relaxes, and he hears the, the birds chirping, the river flowing, all the beautiful noises of nature. When was the last time that you got outside and you just sat down and you closed your eyes and you just listened to nature? And God sits down and he goes, this is blessed. The seventh day is blessed and it's holy. This is holy. How many of you guys have read or, or seen the story Narnia? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? I've seen the, the movies before. Um, as a kid, my, my parents read us all of the books, um, but I think they were more reading to my older brothers because I don't think I was at age that I could really understand them. So I never counted that I had read the books, and I, I'm trying to read more, and I don't like reading, I'll be honest. So I, I, I'll read maybe a more challenging book, and then I've got to go to an easy book, Okay. So I recently just read all the way through The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there's this moment, okay, and where in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the, the white witch, the queen, she's got Edmund, you know, the stinky little brother, and they're, they're off to challenge Aslan, right, or, or to, to kill the rest of the kids. And, and they're trudging through on the sleigh. And then all of a sudden they can't trudge anymore because as they're going through, C.S. Lewis describes it so well, they start to hear the trickle. And they start to hear the birds and start to see that spring is coming because Aslan is just in the land. He's made an arrival. He's simply there. And now all these beautiful noises are coming out. It's perfect. And, and she's getting angrier and angrier because she's recognizing her defeat is close to coming. And I just, I love the, the way that C.S. Lewis depicts and the beauty that you, that you imagine is happening as they get closer and closer and closer to where Aslan is. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's where rest happens. And as the story progresses, Aslan dies. He sacrifices himself, but he's resurrected. And he comes back resurrected, and the two girls are with him. And it's this beautiful moment that, he's, that is Aslan and the two girls, and there's, there's no fear anymore. They don't dread what's around the corner. They no longer fear the witch. And, and they're frolicking through the land. And all I could think about as I was writing my message is this is what Sabbath, real Sabbath must be like. Real Sabbath is just sitting in the presence. It's just being with God. And it's beautiful and there's birds chirping and it's pure rest. There's nothing to worry about. Point number four, the Sabbath is a gift. Verse 29 says, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remaining each of you in his place, let no one go out on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The Lord gave the Sabbath. It wasn't simply a command and a rule to be followed. It was a gift. He gave the Sabbath. God gives good gifts. So if he gives the Sabbath, I bet it's good. I bet it's really good. The Sabbath is a gift that's to be celebrated and honored. This is what the Jews would do. Their tradition was this, that the father would wake up and he would grab for each of his kids 
a spoonful of honey before everybody was awake. And on Sabbath morning, he would give his kids each a spoon of honey. And what that represented was they wanted the kids to always remember that the Sabbath is sweet. It's as sweet as honey. It's not a day to dread. It's not a law that must be obeyed lest we die. It's sweet and it's a good gift. The Sabbath is good. When we talk about the Sabbath with our kids, because we've been on, it's probably been, been three years where we've really been learning what it means to rest, learning what it means to Sabbath. And when we talk about it with our kids, we talk about it with excitement, not, we can't, we can't do anything fun today, okay? Because we have to sit inside and stare at the walls. No, we, we say, guys, it's the Sabbath. And it's good. And we make excitement because I want my kids to always, when they hear the word Sabbath, to get excited and to say, oh, I know the food my mom cooks on the Sabbath. Oh, is it good? So what does a Sabbath look like for the ring rings? I'll tell you what it looks like for us is that one, I, I always, like I said, I want it to be cherished not just for my kids, but I want to learn to cherish it, to honor it. And so we've started to adopt some traditions when it comes to the Sabbath so that we celebrate it. We don't just say, it's the Sabbath, it's a day off of work. No, we celebrate the Sabbath. So we try to have the house clean and grocery shop all done Friday afternoon so that we can actually rest. Because I don't know about you, I can pretend to rest while there's dirty dishes, but I can't actually rest. It may be like, yeah, I'm resting because I'm not doing the dishes, but I'm really not fully rested until the house is clean and, and we can go, ah, there's nothing to do. So we, we go through and we make sure that we are Sabbath ready. And then we prepare a big meal and we celebrate well. And for me, a celebratory meal is this. I, I wanted it to, it to be biblical. Um, whatever meal we decide to eat on, on Sabbath Eve, on Friday night. Uh, and this is, this is where I, I, the passage I, I pull my biblical meal from. Um, it's Luke 15. I don't know if you've read the story of the prodigal son. Uh, but he comes home, and his dad uh, says, hey, let's throw a big party and see that fat calf out there? Go kill it because we're going to eat it. And we're going to have some filet mignon. So I always uh, opt for some for, form of uh, seared cow flesh <laughs> is my, my choice of Sabbath dinner. Um, so this week, uh, we had a big fat pot roast, uh, and it was delicious. And then I went out and hung out with some friends, and we ate more steak. So it worked <laughs> out. Um, I'm all about some good steak on the, on the Sabbath because it makes me go, ah, oh, it's good. It's so, so good. Um, not kale, no. <laughs> and then we have some bread, and, and we started to light candles and say, we're celebrating the Sabbath today. This is a day of rest. And I love uh, Ellie. The other night she goes, Sabbath is another word for rest. I was like, you've got it. You've nailed it. At two and a half years old, Sabbath is another word for rest. <clears throat> is honoring the Sabbath legalistic? No. Sure, you can make it legalistic, but it doesn't have to be. It should be full of grace and full of truth, and it should be celebrated. Do you have to do it on a specific day of the week? No. No. What, what day works for you? We happen to do ours on Saturday. Saturday is our Sabbath. I'll tell you what, I think in our culture, Sunday is a Sabbath, but it's, it, that would be literally impossible for me to try a Sabbath on Sunday because uh, after youth group on Sunday night, when I sit on my couch and pop my feet up and stuff my face in whatever junk food we have laying around the house, I don't look at my day and go, ha, oh, that was relaxing. 
on Sunday. It's just not. It's, it's not practical. I can't rightfully Sabbath on a Sunday. But on Saturday, I absolutely can. What works for your family? That's the day that you should Sabbath. But it's not just a day off. It's not just a day that we don't go into the office or we don't check our work email. It's a day that's holy to the Lord and it's celebrated and it's honored. This, what we're about to get into for our next two hours (laughs) is what the Sabbath, I believe, is all about. This is what Jesus talks about with the Sabbath. Matthew 11, uh, 20 through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and I and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are weary, come. Come to him. Find rest in Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. The Sabbath is in him. It's in Jesus. This is Matthew 28. I'll tell you the exact place. Oh, sorry. My bad. 11. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Sabbath is in him. It's that picture of Aslan with the two girls frolicking through a field of wildflowers. There's not a care in the world. Why? Because they're in the presence of authority. They're in the presence of divine authority. They are in the presence of God. If you've read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's a pretty clear picture of Jesus. They're in the presence. That's where Sabbath is. It's not a day of the week. It's not just a commandment. It's the presence of Jesus. And Jesus goes right after that passage about finding rest to speak about the the legalism of the Sabbath and what the Pharisees had made it into. So in verse 12, it says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields, chapter 12, sorry. That time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck the heads of the grain to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, which I think is funny because they were, who's just sitting in the grain fields? The Pharisees who should be in the temple, they're out watching over the grain fields. Why? They're not watching the grain fields. They're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to prove their points of their law to Jesus. And they say to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and he ate bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor those who were with him, but only the priests? Or have you not read in the law on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He says, I'm the Sabbath. It's not the temple. It's not a day of the week. It's with me. It's at my feet in my presence. It's what Mary found when she knelt at the feet of Jesus. And it's what Martha missed when she worked to please. In verse 9, he went on from there and he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. 
And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. And he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would not take hold of it and lift it out? Would not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more value is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and he was restored, healthy like no other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him. How to destroy him. The Sabbath is a day of freedom. It's a day of restoration and it's a day of healing. It's a day to be at the feet of Jesus. Don't miss out on a weekly opportunity, a weekly chance to enter into the pace of eternity. Bible scholars believe this, and this is why what I believe about the Sabbath, is every week, when we walk and we, and we sit down into the Sabbath, is, it's just a mere glimpse on that seventh day of what eternity will be like. I believe that eternity is simply this. It is a never-ending seventh day. Because the seventh day is beautiful, it's blessed, and it's holy. Yeah. And in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews talks about how we are longing to enter into that rest with Christ. Enter into the eternal Sabbath. That every week when I sit down with my kids and we say, Shabbat. And we light candles. That it's a moment that simply says, Eternity will be so good. And I cannot wait to get there. So if you've come here with a weary soul, if you've come here bonded, burdened, don't miss a moment to enter into his rest. Mm -hmm. To enter into his rest. My goal isn't that you would walk out of here today with a checklist of the things that you have to do to honor the Sabbath, but that you would recognize the holy moment that God wants to bring you into on a weekly basis of rest for your soul. Your life will be blessed when you choose to honor the Sabbath. Your life will be changed. Your faith will grow exponentially because you will place your trust into a God that will not fail on a weekly basis. Honor the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, and keep it holy. I want to share one last quick story, because I think a lot of us get, it's hard to take a day off and rest. We might lose something. There's this guy who decided to open a craft store and he was set that he was going to allow his employees to take Sunday off. But his competition around him was not going to take Sundays off. And, and they were set out to make his craft store history. Just something that never really hardly existed. And so he said, oh, okay, we'll be open on Sundays. So he was open on Sundays. And he always felt this tug at his soul that he needed to be closed to allow his employees a chance to go to church. But the numbers said the complete opposite of that. This is backwards math. Heaven works on backwards math. The numbers say the complete opposite. Sunday was his most profitable day of the week. To close on his most profitable day of the week would have been ridiculous. Numbers would say that his business would close shortly after his competitors would win. But after time and time of, of God tugging on his heart, 
close, close, close. He finally decided to close his store on Sunday. His books went through the roof. His business began to be blessed beyond measure. And he was blessed and blessed and blessed. And the numbers changed. That's a story of Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby wasn't always closed on Sunday. But a man listened to the voice of the Lord and his business has been blessed. His life has been blessed because he chose to honor the Sabbath. It may seem like it is absolutely impossible, but God loves the impossible. God works in the impossible and he shows up and he says, I'm the one in control. You never were. I'm the one in control. So if God wants to bless you because you honor the Sabbath, he's going to bless you because you honor the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the moments that we share together, Lord God. I thank you for your Sabbath, Lord God, because it's holy and it's blessed. A day of rest, Father God. If you need to rest, I really need to rest. Lord, I, I pray that this wouldn't be a moment of condemnation, Lord God, but a moment of freedom because that's why we're here, Lord. For freedom, for healing, Father God. Lord, would you pour out your blessing in this time, Father God. Would you begin to heal in this moment, Lord God, because this is your day and it's holy, Lord God, and it's honored. Father, would you give us a heart eager to celebrate the Sabbath, Lord God, and not just to walk in a law, Lord. I thank you for the way that you've been speaking to us this morning, Lord God. Would you continue that tender voice throughout the day? Speak to us about the ways that we can honor you, Father God. Lord, again, we pray for healing this morning, Lord God. I thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you would bless the rest of this day, Lord God, and that we would honor you with our time and our money, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.